0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes
3: everything.
2: Maller here. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full lineup of Redestein tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you. One of over 10,000 recommended installers, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio, and to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there, or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
1: This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Uh, So, Nike, how about them? Yeah, we're back at it. Yes, absolutely. I am flogging The horse is what I'm doing. So uh, Nike wasted no time. We talked about this yesterday. We were right. Uh, Yet another example of being a distant relative of the great Nostradamus. Uh, Nike wasting no time in shoving more Colin Kaepernick down your throat. That is correct. Right? Uh, You've been out of the loop here. I don't know how you could have missed this if you paid attention at all. Days after announcing a business partnership with the divisive Washed-up former football player Nike debuting a new commercial. It's going to be available on Thursday. It's already available on the Internet, but on Thursday in the NFL season opener, the Battle of the Birds with the Falcons and Eagles going at it. And if you're on social media, you probably have seen an advanced copy of this, a very lengthy uh, commercial. It's a two-minute spot titled Dream Crazy. It's more of a visual than an audio thing, but it showcases – in a very slickly produced inspirational montage, uh, a group of athletes overcoming adversity to chase their dreams. The voiceover by Colin Kaepernick, and he's also seen standing uh, there. There's an image of the American flag in the ad. All right, rather than me say, let's go to the audio tape. Here's what a little taste of what it sounded like.
1: Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing yours. Don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football. Play it at the highest level. And if you're a girl from Compton, don't just become a tennis player. Become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah. That's more like it.
2: All right, so there's the uh, commercial, clearly approved by Roberto there. He's, he liked it. Uh, and listen, it was it was highly produced. It was well-produced. It was a well-done uh, commercial. And you heard the little catchphrases in there. there, there. It's uh, what's known as mind manipulation. Also, if you've ever taken a marketing class or an advertising class, you know what, what heartstring marketing is. And that's, I mean, that is right there. I mean, it's like, hey, we are Nike. We are going to change the perception of Colin Kaepernick, right? He is a heathen. He is uh, the guy that took the knee during the National Anthem that said all these horrific things about police. But we're going to make him seem very good is what we're going to do. And we're going to pay him millions of dollars to do it. Because when I think of sacrificing everything, I think of agreeing to a million-dollar endorsement deal with Nike, Because you're really sacrificing everything. So uh, anyway, uh, Nike's worth $90 billion. They can afford the top advertising firms in the world, right? In the world, not just in the U.S., in the world. And most of them are in the the U.S. anyway. And so the spot chugging at your heart. Uh, You'd have to be a heathen to not feel differently. Uh, And it's impossible to watch this. At least for me, it's impossible to watch this and not think of the the messenger. And I was not swayed. Now other people have been swayed. I'll get to that in a minute because I've gotten some email from people that were uh brainwashed by this particular commercial. But see, here's the problem. I, I know how the marketing game works and all that. And so when I watch this. I look at Colin Kaepernick and I think, oh, look how sweet he is. He compared modern-day police officers to slave catchers. Oh, he's the guy that wore socks depicting cops as pigs to 49ers practice. That's what I look at. Other people look at it differently. That's how I see it. It's hard for me to get past that. It's hard for me to get past the hypocrisy of a guy who says he is fighting for the oppressed, who is doing a commercial for Nike trying to sell you products made by people who are oppressed, many of them. So go figure. Right, I mean, it's just it's it's just I can't get over that, All right? And and so I, I mentioned this on the uh, the moonlighting gig, but I, I, I went to the bag of email, I'll get to the other email in a minute, but I wanted to get this first email. Jeff uh, sent an email, and he works the third shift. He's been loyal. He's sent me a few emails, not too many, uh, but occasionally he'll check in, and he wanted to comment on the topic de jour here, Colin Kaepernick and this Nike story. And how we've talked about it the last couple of days, and he wrote a very short email. He said, "I am." This is a quote. I'm reading off the email. He said, "I am sick of hearing the name uh, of a cowardly quarterback." I know of five people. Uh, he says here at his work that won't watch the NFL uh, or wear Nike. Uh, that's the that's the email. And then Jeff asks at the end of the email here. He says, "When will it end?" All right. So I wanted to talk about this. The question. Uh, and we'll phrase it this way, when will, it's from Jeff, Listener Jeff, When will Colin Kaepernick go away? When is he stop, when are we going to stop seeing him and hearing about this story? And my thoughts on this, you've got the White House, Hemingway, and the teleprompter. And we'll tie all this together. Now Now number one, Colin Kaepernick is in a good spot here because he is seen as a hero of the resistance. Of Donald Trump. So he's being used as a political pawn in this. And he seems to be okay with it because he's making a lot of money. Uh, even though he didn't vote and is uh, said to think all politicians are terrible, he's being used as an operative against the president of the United States. And that's why Nike's doing this and these other companies are aligning there. And you know, keep in mind, his bad behavior started before Trump was president. But his story has been picked up here. And when the legend becomes the fact, you go with the legend. So the way I look at it, to answer Jeff's email, as long as President Trump is in the White House, Colin Kaepernick will have a vehicle to make money. Right? Companies will pay him to endorse their products and to do commercials, and he will do them because he wants the money. So it's a simple uh, transaction here. Nike and other big companies, uh, they know that they can get a reaction. And hostility in marketing does work, right? They're clearly okay with alienating uh, groups of people. But judging by the way the commercial was done, I believe that Nike is so arrogant and they believe they're so powerful that they, because of a slick two-minute commercial, can change the opinions of a large number of people. That they'll leave out the part where Colin Kaepernick uh, attacked law enforcement, they'll they won't use the words or the images that he used and they'll they'll make him seem like a very sympathetic uh figure. And you know, listen, it's clear. For to Nike, blue lives don't matter. They they're paying Colin Kaepernick uh, a, a good amount of money. But unlike Nike and Colin Kaepernick, uh again, I have a I have a problem with this, but hey, listen, I'm not I own Nike stuff, I'm wearing some right now. I'm not gonna get rid of it. I spent money on this. Uh I'm not getting rid of it. I'm not gonna not buy something. If if they have the top deal, I'll buy it. That's how I work. Uh, If somebody offers me a good deal, I'll buy it. Now, second thing here, the swoosh marketing campaign. Now, Jeff again asked, when will it end? And this is just the beginning. Some naive talk show hosts have been bloviating, oh, no, we're near the end of the Kaepernick story. No, we're not. No, 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 no. We are not near the end at all. Like I said, this is going to go align with Donald Trump in the White House as long as he's the president. And, you know, you can win another term as president and then he'll be here another four years after this term. So Kaepernick will be relevant in that sense. So sensory overload. So what's next? What is next? Well, what's next is move over Charles Dixon and Ernest Hemingway and, you know, Dickens and Hemingway and Mark Twain and all these people because Random House, which is the largest the largest general interest paperback publisher in the world, not just the U.S., in the world, they also are business partners with Colin Kaepernick. Not only is he getting paid millions from Nike, Kaepernick's going to get another million dollars plus from Random House for his manuscript. And so if you've been around this enough, you know how this works. We have both uh, seen this. I assume you've seen this too. If you get a major book deal like that, and if a publisher is going to hand you a check for a million dollars, they expect certain things out of you. They expect you to deliver, and so that you have to put some stuff in the book. You've got to put some polarizing stuff in the book. Otherwise, they don't pay you a million dollars. Now, every once in a while, they make a mistake. So what, th- what does all this mean? It means another wave of stories, right? Uh, my sources tell me that Colin Kaepernick is going to be uh, – Maybe forced is not the right word, but strongly encouraged through a financial agreement to do some interviews and to go out there. Not because of Nike, but because of the book deal, meaning a chit-chat with the usual suspects, Oprah Winfrey, Don Lemon, people like that. So prepare yourself. That's going to happen. When that book comes out, it's been in the works. It takes a long time to get the – from the time you go to a major publisher – I actually was uh, talking to a a guy about a a book deal – a couple years ago, and he never got back to me. Uh, but he he told me how it works, the publishing game. And the lead time is like a year from the time you sign an agreement to the time the book goes to, to being published and ends up in a bookstore on Amazon or these big websites. It's a year lag time, sometimes more than a year, to get a book out at the major publishing houses. So I'm, I'm not sure on the timeline on this. Uh, I was told that it, it was going to be early next year that Random House was going to come up with the the Kaepernick, uh, Kaepernick book. If that's true, uh, I could see them doing it right around Super Bowl time to get the most bang for their buck. Uh, I could see something like that. Wait until February. Why do it in January? I mean, the, the idea would be, hey, well, let's do it before Christmas. and Wouldn't that be the perfect stocking stuffer, uh, the Kaepernick book? Now, the last thing here, even the Nike slogan in that commercial, right, I found it pretty weak, right? the ad company says, uh, they tossed the line out, the ones that wrote at the major ad firm. Uh, don't ask if your dreams are crazy, ask if they're crazy enough, which, you know, many will point out is one of the, the problems, right? Is you are you're, you're dreaming, I'm gonna play in the NFL, I'm gonna play in the NBA, I'm be an NHL player, I'm gonna be a baseball player, and then the news flash is you actually have to go out in a real job. You have to get a real job. It's great to have dreams, but you also have to live in the real world here. And I hope wherever Roger Goodell's at, whatever mansion he's at there he enjoyed watching that, And he enjoys watching it during the game because uh, this was his poor leadership that led to this particular point, all these million-dollar endorsement deals uh, coming in. But, again, Kaepernick's going to start doing some interviews once that book comes out. And he he will be encouraged strongly to do that. And we'll see what he does when he doesn't have an ad firm writing for him and a teleprompter to read off of. We'll see what happens at that Particular point. Now, I mentioned, I guess, some other email. I used the one from Jeff here, but I get a couple of other emails from listeners who said they were actually swayed by the commercial. I don't believe them. I mentioned this on the moonlighting gig, but I don't believe these people because uh, my position is that you've already decided you're not going to change. If you're if you're telling me that you've changed your position because of a commercial, then. I, don't, I just don't believe that. My my theory has been, I believe it's accurate, you have already formed your opinion on this and that you're not going to be swayed by a slick commercial. At least, I'd like to think that you're not a sheep like that and you're like, okay, oh, they did a really good job here, so I'm going to go the other way. Uh, I'd like to think that's not the case, but maybe that's, I mean, this is what they're saying. I don't believe it, but we'll see if that's the case. Anyway, it is the Ben Maller Show on Fox. We say hello to Edmund Dallas, Steamboat Willie judas
0: garcia yeah i would have to agree with you on that I, I i find it very difficult to believe, and this is what i was talking about with you yesterday i, I how I, I still can't understand why nike would decide to get into business with colin kaepernick because people have made up their minds i don't think people are going to change their minds if they're well if they're out there i believe that they're
2: a very small. It was number a good commercial. I did a good job on the commercial. This has probably been in the can for a while, right? This is, and I give them credit, Nike, because it didn't leak out. You would think this would have leaked out on the internet somewhere that Kaepernick's got a million dollar deal with Nike, because I would well, think this was done at least a month ago, if not longer. Yeah, than that. I've
0: I've heard stories that a lot of Nike's partners, a lot of their distributors, you know, sporting good companies, yeah. that they were completely in the dark about all of this until the news yeah. came out that they've really. I, I I will agree with you. They've done a very
2: good job of keeping a very tight lid on all of this. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's odd that it didn't leak out. I mean, the book deal's been out there, but it hasn't. The book hasn't come out yet. So we got to wait for the what's in the book. What's going to be in the book, which is which is just great. So anyway, that's the the latest there. And if you were swayed, I, I probably won't believe you, but if you want to make your case, I'll listen.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: So it was the story of early April. Baseball had their new global icon, a 24-year-old two-way sensation of the baseball nation, Shohei Otani. The modern-day Bambino. Baseball wonks were aroused as they looked at stats and they compared Otani to Babe Ruth. Oh, it was wonderful. Baseball scribes waxing poetic about Otani, with glowing, heartfelt tributes. They were all over the Internet. You couldn't avoid them. Long-time, grizzled baseball observers who believed that this was the second coming. And now we have the rest of the story. An MRI showing that Shohei Ohtani, the pitcher and hitter, has a messed-up elbow. He gone. The Angels announced the three words that every baseball player dreads, Tommy John surgery. So he's going to go under the knife, and it doesn't end Ohtani's season as a hitter, but it ends his season as a pitcher, and Otani did play in the game against the Rangers, which is like a spring training game when those teams get together. Woo. you imagine having tickets to watch the Angels and the Rangers play at this point with their records? Woo! Wow. What a snooze fest that is. So, anyway, you've got a guy here who was – one of the stories said, well, he's going to be a top-five pitcher in baseball, going to win multiple Cy Young Awards. How's that going, by the way? How's that going? Is that going well? Best-case scenario, if everything goes right with Tommy John surgery, Otani will be back for spring training in the Cactus League in 2020. <laughs> all right. That's that's the next time you're going to see Otani, so let's discuss. Oh, no. The angel management look horrific on this. If I owned the angels, I would fire everyone. I would get rid of everyone. You're all gone. Every one of you is gone. Uh, they likely won't do that, but they listen. They they sent Otani back to the mound, clearly not listening to our show, our podcast. They had him pitch. Was it forty nine pitches the other day against the Astros? Two and a third innings. Uh, what, what are we doing here, right? What are we doing here? You've actually delayed the clock on this. You've delayed the clock on this by by several months. And the story is Otani. O- he had some stem cell worked on. The only reason I know what stem cell is because of, of athletes getting hurt and needing it. Uh, and some plasma treatment as well. And he had some, some therapy and that was back on June 6th, after a start on June 6th. We talked about it here on the third degree. I was asked about Otani. What's, I said, listen, you. if they say Tommy John surgery is a possibility, it's a 100%. 100%. There's no debate. You do the Tommy John. You do the Tommy, and they don't do it. They didn't do the Tommy John surgery. And now, ha-ha, <laughs> the joke's on you. The joke's on you. All right, so the question. Now that his season is over as a pitcher, and Otani has no real value as an offensive player, I'll explain why in a minute. I said, well, what, he had two home runs against the Rangers, Ben? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Use your brain, okay? Don't be a lemming. I'll explain. Uh right, so what grade do you give Shohei Otani – now that his rookie season as a pitcher is over, and I would think that he's not going to play many more games as a hitter. Of course, these are the Angels, their front office, a bunch of uh, boobs. So maybe they will keep sending him out there because these are very important games the Angels are playing in. Uh, so what grade do you give Shohei Ohtani? I'm going to go. I'm going to go high here. I'm going to give him a C. Uh, I'm going to give Ohtani a C for his rookie year, and I really should go D. I really should go D. You've got. My viewpoint here, you've got dependability, elixir, and the bumpkins. Now, first of all, uh, Shohei Ohtani, you don't care about spring training and all that, but I remember in spring training, he was so bad, he was horrific, there was talk of sending him to the minor leagues. I, of course, being a great champion of Ohtani, said you don't send him to the minor leagues. You don't do that. You leave him in. You let him see if wait till he sucks, and then you put him in the minor leagues. Uh, But... He, he got off to a nice start the first couple weeks of the year, but overall he gets an average grade. Why? Right? Inconsistent performance. It was an erratic season for Otani, and don't believe the false narrative, the fake media that's trying to spread something else. And what do I mean by that? Otani, his real value, and what the Angels really needed from Otani, was a dominant, reliable, front-of-the-rotation starting pitcher. That's the, the bill of goods that they were sold with Otani. That, yeah, he can hit home runs and he'll he'll hit, but they needed that dominant pitcher. You know how many starts Otani made this year for the Angels? Ten. That's it. That's the list. He made ten starts for the Angels. So dependability is more important than ability. I don't care how great you're going to tell me Otani is and how all world he is. If he only makes ten starts, that is fertilizer is what it is. So you can spin it any way you want. You like the guy. That's fine. That's not acceptable. And when you dissect the numbers, right, it's one of these things where you look on the surface, you're like, man, that's pretty good. But then you dig deeper, right? You dig deeper, and Otani, with the Babe Ruth comparison, comparisons, the Ruthian comparisons, He was Babe Ruth against bad teams on the mound. Shohei Ohtani had an earned run average of 1.76 against the worst teams in baseball, the teams that have a losing record. Against teams with a winning record, an ERA of about 4, 3.96. Not exactly invincible. Ohtani, my advice is for him to go pitch for the Cubs whenever he comes back, if he comes back. He was 4-0 with an ERA of 2 in day games. But at night, he had an ERA of five. The problem is most baseball games the Angels are in are played at night. That's an issue. Now, what about a hitter? He hit home runs. He hit a couple home runs against the Rangers, right? That's a big effing deal. It's quite the Rangers team there. It's a flashback to those World Series days with Josh Hamilton, those guys. Well, Otani, if you look at him as a hitter, heading into the game on Wednesday, he was batting 311 with 15 home runs. Uh, against right-handed pitching. Now, you'll add two more. The average goes up. Okay, you add the average up. I don't have the average here, but he has 17 home runs now. Both home runs he hit were against right-handed pitching. It's pretty good, 17 home runs against right-handed pitching. But now the rest of the story, as the late, great Paul Harvey used to say on radio, Shohei Ohtani has batted 182 with one home run more than you have against left-handed pitching this year. This is the unfortunate reality. If I tell you a player, I take the name away, and I just say it's some nondescript player, and this player has 17 home runs against right-handed pitching and one home run against left-handed pitching, what is an objective observer of baseball going to say? You know what they're going to say? You know what that guy is? That is a platoon player. That is not an everyday player. That is a player that can only go against right-handed pitching. You're going to have to go out and get somebody else when left-handers are on the mound. Platoon Otani. That's the name right there as an outfielder. Now secondly, there was a belief by some and this is where Byers remorse kicks in, that Otani was going to spark the Morbid Angels into contender status. Let's revisit that. How is this working out? Right? Cuz there there was this big gala pep rally when Otani signed with the Angels and everyone's so excited there. Oh my goodness, the new hero. Here he is, Shohei Ohtani. Well, he got the hero's welcome, franchise savior, and the Angels are the same mistake-filled, shoddy team they have been for years. They are under 519 games out. They are closer to the cellar than they are any kind of real contention. And if things break right, the Rangers have a chance. If they play good the last three weeks of the season – and the Angels play poorly, the Rangers could pass the Angels by, the Angels could be in last place again. It's been another fiasco in Anaheim, and they look up at the Astros, the Mariners, even the A's. I mean, how embarrassing is that? You're behind the Oakland A's. They're not even trying to win, and uh, with the, the the amount of money that they've been spending here, uh, it's embarrassing. So, But it's, it's the old nightmare that keeps repeating itself, and Otani was supposed to be that magic elixir, and he has not been as advertised. Now, the final thing. Here. I My favorite part of this is the spin by the Angels. Right? They screwed up. But you can't admit you screwed up. Right? You can't say, man, that was a bad job by us. Boy, we really screwed that one up. What were we thinking? So since they look like a bunch of country bumpkins for sending Otani back to the mound, they are doing what? They are spinning. They are spinning plates is what they're doing in Anaheim and they're trying to turn this into a positive. They actually told reporters, I assume with a straight face, uh, that they wanted Otani to pitch this season. Why? Because they wanted to see if his arm would hold up, and if not, they were excited that he would have the operation. And my word, excited. But they were—they wanted to get that that appearance on, get him on the mound. So surgery means, as I said, he's not going to pitch until the start of the 2020 season. But just think about that statement. We wanted him to pitch this season to test to test it out. when you knew, when I knew, everybody, you knew, they knew. See, what they're doing is they're changing. They're moving the goalposts on this one. I had the deep state conspiracy theory that part of the motivation for Otani to come back and pitch was to win a couple of games the last month of the year so he could get back in the rookie of the year race. Right, they, they thought, well, we we'll get him back, win a couple of starts, have some dominant appearances. We'll get that rookie of the year. That there were selfish reasons for that. And but the way it sounds, the Angels had Otani pitch hoping he was going to blow out his arm. <sighs> They're like, well, let's send him out there. We can if it's gonna if it's gonna blow, it's gonna blow. It blew. Kaboom. Man, oh, man. So, again, I'm going with the ulterior motives. But that is a bold strategy. That is a bold strategy, man, to send him out there. It's like, uh, ah, see his arm falls apart. We'll see what happens. All right, so the Ben Maller Show on Fox. On Fox as we press on. We say hello to Edmund Dallas Steamboat Willie Judas Garcia. Right there, you see, there was a big home run tonight in baseball. The Rockies, Trevor's story. A few big home runs, yeah. Well, this one was 505 feet. It's a pretty good poke. I know it was. Uh, it was
0: in the thin air there in Denver. So if it had been at sea level, it would have been like 250.
2: I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not 505 though. So his first home run was 459 feet, and these are accurate because it's Statcast, and they would never lie. Statcast would never lie to us. Well, it's uh, you know, it's it's computers. The computers can't lie. They can unless no, no, they the people lie. that program them. Well, they would never. People that program computers would never put erroneous stuff in there. Remember when Trevor's story a couple years ago was the feel-good story of baseball? Yeah, yeah started the oh, season on God. fire.
0: All these home Who is he this didn't... guy? Remember, somebody got hurt and gave him a chance to get in the lineup. Wasn't it and... Tulowitzki got hurt? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, Tulowitzki got hurt. Whatever happened boy. to that guy. He's still hurt. He's with Toronto now. He's still hurt, that guy. I think he hasn't it. played all year, has he? No, he played a little bit, but he's he's a Mr. Softy. He's a fragile guy. He, his uh, body is not not holding up very well. But Trevor Story this year, he's had 31 home runs and 95 RBIs this year.
3: For the That's Rock. a good year. Yeah. Damn How good many year. home runs does he have in uh, Coors Field,
2: though? Mm. Mm. So you think he's a product of Coors Field? You think oh, a, yeah, they all You think are. he's a phony?
3: Yeah, they all are.
2: Okay. He's got 18 home runs. Well, he had 18 home runs at Coors Field coming in. So you tack on, what do you have, two more? Uh, so, yeah, he's got 20 at Coors Field, I think 10 on the road, if I'm reading this correctly. I think that's right. It's either 21 or 20, and then 10. So, it's exciting. There's your home road splits brought to you by Geico. 15. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> There's Otani uh, well, highlights. I was listening on the way in. I was listening to the end of the Yankees A's game, and I was listening to the Yankees broadcast. And my uh, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's. You could tell John Sterling, the, the, the Yankees were getting plastered by the A's. And you know, even though they're on West Coast time, Sterling's still on East Coast time. He's like 90 years old. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, Sterling's doing the game. He sounded bored. He sounded like no one's listening in New York. Everyone's sleeping. Why am I doing this? It's like one o'clock in the morning in New York time. I'm doing play by play on a game. What a pro. Yan- No, it just—it sounded to me like that. Like he's usually—I've heard him before when he's you know on his game. He sounds pretty good. He's into it. You know the whole thing—the the the razzle dazzle of a John Sterling broadcast. But this was—he was was off his game a little bit, so it was a little tough. That's my
1: duck. There you go. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
2: It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. And we bring in the Coop-de-loop Justin Cooper.
3: Ben, after Oregon State got destroyed by Ohio State 77-31, their athletic director said that they do not want to trade losses for paydays and noted that, his mat- that this matchup was scheduled several years ago. Ben, do you think that the negative impact of the loss isn't worth uh, what lesser schools receive for playing the big boys? Uh, No. Listen, the way I look at this, when I run an athletic department, and that's going to happen,
2: I would play all of the money games I could possibly play. I'll tell you why. First of all, Oregon State, this is a defeatist attitude. Rather than whine about losing and giving up 77 points, oh, woe is me, how about you stop being a pushover and compete? The Beavers are a Pac-12 institution. They are not supposed to be garbage. And and even though they played like that, do better. Play better football. And secondly, the weaker schools, not that Oregon State should be on that list. They're from a Power 5 conference. But you should embrace the underdog role. Take inspiration in that David versus Goliath matchup. Uh, the great upsets that have happened, I uh, remember, in the last uh, 20 years or so, last 15 years, you had Appalachian State beating Michigan, that famous one. Georgia Southern one time beat Florida. I remember talking about that in the swamp. Uh, that was ridiculous. These are great opportunities. You're guaranteed the payday.
3: Why not not only pay the game, play to win the game. Embrace it. Don't be a coward. Next. Now, after losing to Notre Dame in the first game of the season, the odds were released for Jim Harbaugh's fate come next season. They are as follows, Ben: from staying Michigan head coach minus one hundred and fifty, NFL head coach plus two hundred and seventy-five, head coach of any other college team plus four hundred and fifty, yep. seven to one television analyst, twenty to one Ravens assistant, high school head coach fifty to one. What's the best value play here, Ben?
2: All right, well, you've come to the right place. The, if you want the best bang for your buck, you go with the obvious one. Jim Harbaugh uh, will go to the NFL. Right? He, he's he's still well regarded in the NFL. Uh, I've always believed that Michigan's a, only a temporary stopping point, that ultimately the khaki pants will be on the sidelines of some NFL outpost in the boondocks. I've not changed my opinion on that, that ultimately that's where he's going to end up. I don't see him coaching another college other than Michigan. So the NFL odds would pay 1360 bucks on a $1,000 wager. And B, the other safe bet is television. Like Harbaugh could get dumped from Michigan, get a TV job, He's got high wackadoodle tendencies, and they'd pay him a lot of money at Fox or ESPN to be on television, and then he can wait around for an NFL gig. Keep an eye, though, on Harbaugh for jobs that are going to likely be open. The Seahawks job, Seattle, Carroll could be his last year there. The Dolphin job, the Houston Texans are going to disappoint,
3: so they could be in the market for a new coach. Those are all possibilities. All right, next. Now, there were reports yesterday that there are some within the Patriots organization that regret the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Ben, do you think they'll end up regretting this one in the long run? Yes. uh, Certainly, if you look at
2: the way the Patriots are set up now, number one, Bill Belichick, he was in love with Jimmy G. There was this mating dance going on there, and he was very upset. He didn't want to trade him. You know, The deep state conspiracy in Boston, and I believe this, is that Brady and Kraft went kind of circumventing together and conspired to force Belichick to make the trade, and he didn't want to do it, and so Belichick, in spite of, Essentially, gave away Jimmy Garoppolo below market value. And number two, listen, Tom Brady's got a clean bill of health right now, but the Patriots are essentially riding a motorcycle without a helmet. It's a rocky road, and people are shooting at them, uh, and they don't have a bulletproof vest on. I mean, they don't, Brian Hoyer is the backup, so of course they're going to be upset. They traded Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, there it is, Mallard to the third degree. How did we do, Ben? You pass this edition. That is a winner. <laughs> I just won the game.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It's now time for...
2: Hurry, hurry. I can hardly wait. Ask Ben. Twitter.
1: Send us your questions on Twitter now.
2: And we get the festivities underway. We pass the microphone over to the Koopa Loop for this edition of Ask Ben. Your questions and
3: our answers. Then I'm going to start off with an easy one for you. Okay. Uh, I like is,
2: uncomplicated.
3: This is from Alex on Facebook. Hi, Alex. I'm going to edit it a little bit for uh, radio friendliness. Well, he, why not? Well, don't edit it. Yeah, people no, like, I'm, I'm people gonna, like dirty words. Go I'm, no, I'm going to edit it. Okay. Uh, but he, he's asking, he, he drives Uber, and he wants to know if uh, you are still on Radio Sport New Zealand. Yes, I am. I'm on, uh, well, it depends.
2: Where's he at? Do you know what city he's in? Uh, he did not say. Okay. Yeah, I go on Monday night, but depending on what time zone you're in, it's Tuesday morning. But it's uh, New Zealand time, it's 5.30 New Zealand time. But yes, I'm on with Darcy Waldergrave. It's his show every week. He used to do a morning show. Now he does an afternoon show. So, yes, I still go on Radio Sport, which is available on iHeartRadio. It's part of the iHeartRadio family. All right, next.
3: All right, Ben. Uh, this is going to be a question for everybody. Now, it's uh, Ariana, Ar- yes, Ariana on Facebook. Okay. Hi, Ariana. She wants to know, uh, for the whole crew, do any of you guys or have you ever gone big game hunting, like for deer or elk? Oh, God, no. Uh, although I, I did one
2: time driving through Pennsylvania, almost hit a couple of deers uh, driving around the sticks of Pennsylvania. No, I've never done that. Uh, that's not uh, something I, I've never – I've been fishing like one time now in my life. I've never really done that. I need to get outside more. Uh, Eddie, what about you? Have you no, ever gone big game hunting? No, I've no. never
0: gone hunting, period. Uh, would you
2: go, life? though? Like I would go. If somebody like, uh, invited us to go on a hunting expedition, I would do it. It would
0: depend on what we were hunting.
2: Be for the story, right? Be a good story, right? No, I mean possibly. What would you What would you be okay hunting?
0: Uh, like you know, Komodo uh, dragons. Komodo dragon. <laughs> <like that. laughs> Komodo
3: dragon. Well, Eddie yesterday on Click Travis' show said he would yeah. burn a lizard. Well,
0: it was a very large lizard,
3: you know. <laughs> okay, all right. What about you, Roberto? Would you? No, I've never done not... any any outdoors. I need to get out more like you, Ben.
2: Would you do it though? I would do it. yeah. You would do it. Yeah, I I ran into a coyote one time while I was walking through the hills. There was a hiking trail. Oh yeah, all
1: the time too. Me too.
3: Yeah, Yeah. they're all over the place. Uh, What about you, Koopaloo? Never have been, never would go. Never anti-hunting. Yeah, I mean, I've I've but you like
2: you like the results of hunting. You like the steak, (laughs) you know.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, do you really hunt a cow? Somebody. Well, I yeah, I guess. But uh, I've gone fishing a, a handful of times. That one doesn't really bother me too much. It's Ask Ben. Your questions are answers for the rest of the hour.
2: These are actual questions submitted like from listeners like yourself. We thank you for that. Every week, a lot of questions
3: come in. What's next? All right. This is for the whole crew. This is from Cynthia. Now, a little bit oh, of background. A lot of women sending questions. I know, right? Is, wow. Hello, Cynthia. A little background on this question, Ben, for the uh, right. the post that I made on Facebook. I, I posted one of those funny uh, Nike memes that that are going around making fun of the Kaepernick uh, ad. Sure, sure, sure. So, she, uh, because of the meme, she wants to know... Uh, Oh, wow, I'm an idiot. This isn't from Cynthia. I read the um, wrong name. It's from Bob. Well, we well, I, don't a Cooper I, Booper. I don't care
2: about you, Cynthia. I like Bob. <laughs> Bob's uh, better than Cynthia. Bob, Sorry, Cynthia. Bob's better. Yes, Bob but, wants to know what? for the
3: whole crew, what is
2: your favorite shoe to wear? Oh, I thought you were going to ask what's our favorite meme that's uh, making fun of Nike. Uh, my favorite shoe to wear, well, I'm going casual, I go with the, you know, sandals. I don't like any shoes. I I don't want to wear Shoes at all, man. I don't. I like going California comfort. What about you, Eddie? Uh, just your typical
3: comfortable tennis shoe. Boring, Roberto. I'm like you. Ben. Yeah. flip flop weekends. Give me the flip flop. That's right, man. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Eddie. Just your comfortable tennis shoe. There's no brand. You just just whatever. Just no, I, like I've new, got
0: New Balance guy. I've got everything in my closet. Costco Kirkland yeah. brand. I'm currently wearing uh, <laughs> Fila. Fila. Yeah, that was on sale at Costco. Cause it feels so good.
2: It does it does. does. <laughs> <Yeah>. all right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you, Coop? What are you? You a shoe guy? A certain brand? Uh, you're I, loyal have been, to? Yeah,
3: I have been. Yeah, I've I've been loyal to Vans, uh, pretty much my entire teenage and adult life. But yeah. I got my first ever pair of Nikes from a generous listener about uh, I don't know six months ago. Oh yeah, and I, I somehow mine never came. I
2: don't know why that is. I have
3: no idea. I, I I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah. but uh, I rock those all the time now. They're pre- they're pretty nice. Pretty cool. Let's ask Ben your questions are answers. Time for a few more. Here we go. What's next? All right, uh, Ben. This is from Cardiac Stanley. Hi, Stanley. He wants to know: Did you bring a bag lunch to school? Or did you get the cafeteria food? Uh, Mrs. Maller made uh, my mom, as she rest in peace, tuna fish
2: sandwiches. Way too much and peanut butter and jelly. It was like a rotation. Ooh, a tuna fish. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I don't eat fish. My mom gave me tuna and mayo. I and love a tuna. Bag of chips. I liked it when I was a kid, but one I made the mistake sometimes of leaving my lunch pail in an area where it was like kind of warm, and if you eat a warm tuna fish oh, sandwich, that's not good. It is
1: disgusting. <laughs>
3: it's horrible. All right, uh, next it's Ask Ben on Fox all right, uh, this is from Hartford Paul. Hi Paul. It's for the crew. Yeah. If you were offered one million dollars cash to get a large face tattoo of your choice, would you do it? and if you would, what would it be uh well i'm I'm married, so the
2: answer would be no, uh but maybe my wife might sign off on it if it's a million bucks because that <laughs> would go that would go a long way. Uh, but no, I'm I'm good. What, what about you, Eddie? What would you? you no,
0: know? I definitely would not do that. And and I I say uh, my rule of thumb is uh, when I see someone with a face tattoo, I do not make eye count, eye contact. With
2: that <laughs> I have done that. I told you that story on the uh, the, the subway. Yeah, and, uh, you don't have time for it now. What about you, Roberto?
3: Nah, no face tattoos. Coop, you do it. Coop, right? All right. Million. So check my, it out. A Mike Tyson. Tattoo? They have like invisible ink tattoos that you can get that oh, only, that's only glow not, in the dark. No, oh, that's that's so ridiculous. I would do that.
2: You're a cheater. That's a weaseling move.
3: (laughs) It is a weasel move.